Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. Our first lesson today comes from the book of Deuteronomy, picking up in chapter 30, verse 15. Listen now to the Word of God. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in His ways, and observing His commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and holding fast to Him, for that means life to you and the length of days so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today, we are concluding a sequence of sermons about keeping the faith. We began two weeks ago by considering the promise that God had made to Abram and Sarah, and we reflected on Hebrews 11, where there is this wonderful definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Faith is like looking into a dark recess in space and discovering that there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of additional stars and galaxies. The Hubble Space Telescope has given us that power to look at a place where there was no thought that there was anything else and discovered something great. Faith is like looking into one of the deep recesses of space and seeing that there is light even in that darkness. Faith is a way of staying connected. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. This cloud is not simply an indistinguishable blur. Each face in that cloud is distinct and that each face has a story. We are connected in our individuality, and we are connected as we share God's creation. As William Blake wrote, I sought my soul, but my soul I could not see. I sought my God, but my God eluded me. I sought my neighbor, and I found all three. As we live our life in faith, we look to the promises of God, and with the convictions of God in Jesus Christ, we seek God's way, and in that seeking and in that hope, we choose life. Today's scripture this morning comes from Luke 
the 14th chapter. Let us listen that we may hear God's Scripture, God's Word to us today. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and He turned to them and He said, Whoever comes to Me and does not hate his mother and his father, his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be My disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow Me cannot be My disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will, <clears throat> will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build, and he was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while... <clears throat> While the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and he asks them for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. The word of the Lord. Really? Did you listen to that last sentence? You cannot be my disciple unless you give up all of your possessions? I say the word of the Lord, and you say, thanks be to God? Really? Wow. That is some food for thought, as they say. What about all of those circumstances? What about the wonder of providing for ourselves and for our loved ones? What about the ability to take the things that God has blessed us with and to return those to be blessings for other people? other people. How do we do that? This section of Scripture that Luke shares, these teachings of Jesus, there are really some very, very hard things in them. Did you hear that? To follow Jesus, you have to hate your family. To follow Jesus, we take up our cross. To follow Jesus, we give up our possessions. Whoa. All of those require a deep breath, and all of them, I think, are worthy of deep and serious consideration. Today, as we think about them, I want us to focus in on how we choose life and how, as we choose life, we count the cost of what we choose. In the middle of this selection, about Jesus, that Jesus shares with us, there are two stories that he tells, two short little vignettes. If someone starts building a building, don't they include that in, or don't they count the cost of how much it's going to cost? The last thing you want to do after you build a building is to stop and to uh, not be able to complete it. Otherwise, Jesus says people will make fun of that person. Or what ruler, what king, what leader of a country, when thinking of having war with another country, does not count the cost if the other country has more soldiers and more weapons? Do we not evaluate the options that we have there? 
there are many costs that we count, they are important and they reside with us. And as we reflect on Jesus' invitation to choose life and to follow Him, there are costs to be found there as well. We know there are costs in life. Every few years, the Department of Agriculture of the U.S. government calculates the cost for raising a child. The last figure I could find was in, from 2013, and the figure was, in 2013, for every child born there, for that child to grow in, to, to 18 in a normal middle-class experience, it would cost $245,000. That's for housing, for transportation, for food, for clothing, for all of the things that a normal experience would involve. And that doesn't include the extras. That doesn't include college education later or other ways. There are lots of costs to be counted. Not just the cost, the financial cost, but the, the, the emotional realities of bringing another person into your household. There are things that we evaluate, and there are other joys that are there. You, you maybe could call them cost as well. There are joys of bringing another person into your household, bringing a child there. There are amazing things that can happen. Many of you are thinking about retirement. Maybe not there yet, or yet maybe there. But the cost of it are on our minds. If not for you, then for your parents. There's a whole industry that exists to help provide resources to navigate this challenge and this process. Determining how much you need determines how long you stay active in the workforce. What is the cost of all this? Yet, also, what is the cost beyond that? What are the costs and the abilities to move beyond that when you do retire? My father said it was when he retired, he wasn't aware that he, uh, he, had, he did so many things that he didn't know how he'd ever gotten anything done before that. So retirement has its costs as well as its joys. What about the cost of business opportunities? Have you ever had a business opportunity that you passed by and later on you realize that other people profited from it. The same can work on the other side too. You can have a business opportunity you pass by and you realize it didn't do so well. But there are costs, there are calculations, there are uncertainties about that. So we do calculate our costs. Sometimes we fire up the computer, we open up that Excel spreadsheet and we begin typing numbers in, or sometimes we just begin doodling on the back of a napkin, but we figure out what things are going to cost and how they're going to play out. And as we evaluate our cost, we also evaluate what there is to be gained by that. There are costs of doing ministry in the church. This week I heard a financial professional, a church financial professional, 
not a minister and not a member of this church, say that he did not give to a campaign at a church. He did not give to the budget. He gives to a compelling vision of how a community serves Jesus Christ. There's a lot to that. What is the compelling vision for serving Jesus Christ that calls us, that draws us, that makes us want to participate in it? If we think that there is a zero-sum game in all of this, then we are missing the point. The bottom line is not at the end of the financial ledger. The purpose of the church is to provide a place where we can carry out the mission of God given to us in Jesus Christ. The purpose of the church is to be part of God's creation of hope and goodness in the world, to transform the world, to transform our own selves, and to share in God's transformation of others. You may um, have a building project in your own life. I know Vicki and I do. We are working toward the renovation of our kitchen, a major project. Some of you may have encountered that. And as we do that, we have counted the cost. What is to be gained and what is it going to take to get us to that place? Here at the church, we are involved in a, not a building a tower, as Jesus said, but we are involved in a, a renovation project. We are looking at our stained glass windows here in this, in this room, in this building, and 28 of them are going to be uh, refurbished and re-leaded and restored over the next year. These windows, as I understand it, have been in their frame since 1892. I know there have been uh, building projects and renovations since then, but as I understand it, the glass itself has been there since 1892. That's 124 years. And the, pro the quality of the, pro of the project that we anticipate, the hope we share, is that after they are removed and they're replaced, they can last another 124 years. No doubt there will be some maintenance issues, there will be some things to do here and there, but the idea is that we are restoring the windows so they will last for a long, long time, longer than any of us will be around to share in. We do that at a, at a cost. The, the amount of money that is involved is one that does cause you to think, this is a lot of money, but why are we doing it? What is the purpose for which we are doing it? The price tag for which we are doing it, the purpose for which we are doing it, is to let light shine in so that God's light may shine out. It is so that we may experience, not simply in this room, but in the world outside, we may see something powerful and, and good and useful. We let that light shine in so that individually and collectively as a community of faith, we may shine God's light out in this world. In that, we are taking care of this building. It's a very routine venture, one that every building needs. 
But it is much more than that. It is part of putting out to the community and to the world the good news of Jesus Christ. In doing so, we are choosing life that God has prepared for us. We are letting this light shine in so that the light God gives us may shine out. We do that not just in this, in this place, in this time of the week. We do this also as we gather at different times and for Bible studies and for church activities and functions. We do this so that we can always prepare ourselves to share the purpose that God has called us to be. Our purpose in this place is to share that light and to follow God and Jesus Christ. We count the cost for that. Yes, we need to do that. And we also count the purpose of it. Recently, I was reminded of the story of Antoinette Tuff. She um, was uh, on the staff of the Ronald McNair Discovery Learning Academy in Decatur, Georgia. In, 19, in, August of 19, excuse me, in August of 2013, just three years ago, a man entered that building. There were 800 students and 100 uh, faculty and staff in the building that day. Michael Brandon Hall walked in dressed all in black, carrying an AK-47 and 500 rounds of ammunition. And before he entered the building, he fired shots to draw attention of the police so that they would come. And once in the building, he also fired shots, but not at anyone. No one was killed. Antoinette Tuff was able to talk to him and to, re not reason, but to engage him, to communicate with him. She began the process of connecting with him and finding a way to end the standoff. Ultimately, all of the students and the staff left the building, and she did as well, alive, and so did Michael Brandon Hall, arrested and now in jail, but they left alive without any loss of life. Ms. Tuff had taken some work through the school system to prepare to deal with a dangerous situation. And she also had faith in God. She had faith that God would get her through those circumstances. In her own words, she said, she said this was what she said to God. God, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do next? And what do I say? How do I say it? She knew that the words that she said, the opportunity that she had, could make a world of difference, not only to herself, but also to this individual and to the world itself, to the students. She knew that the assailant had entered the building with bad intention. She said, I'm actually seeing him self-destruct right here. So I knew that the power of my words had to be powerful. She knew that. 
she was able to act on her training and her, with her faith in God, and she delivered those powerful words. Her words saved many lives that day. She chose life, and she knew her purpose. And that day, the purpose was to enter into a very, very difficult place. She had been trained, but it was not something she was accustomed to doing. And yet, the results were so absolutely remarkable. The police chief of DeKalb County said, you don't see that type of interaction in these situations very, very often at all. There are some things in life you can rehearse for, he continued, but this is a woman who just kept her calm, kept her wits about her, and maintained her composure in this very dangerous situation. Antoinette Tuff chose life, and she knew her purpose was to engage this very disturbed individual and to keep communication open. She was scared. She admitted she was scared. She knew she was scared. But she allowed her trust and her decisions and her purpose to hang together with her. Here at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, we have that same sort of option as we keep our faith in God as we know the promises that God has made to the children of, uh, of Israel, to, to all of us that we inherit and share in Jesus Christ, that we know the ways by which we are connected to each other and to the world through faith. And as we choose life and live out this purpose that God has shared with us, let us continue to do that, to choose life, to keep the faith, to know our purpose, that God's good news in Jesus Christ is displayed here, not only in this place, but in our lives, wherever we may go, this day and always. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.